Hey everybody, this is Ernie Johnson, and welcome to EJ's Game Plan. It's your guide to working in sports media. Today we'll be talking to Jared Greenberg, an on-air host and reporter on TNT and NBA TV. What's up, everybody? I'm a little nervous. I haven't done any uh, TV or anything in a long time. Thanks for being with us today. I want to thank Ernie Johnson for doing this. If, if it's your first time tuning in, Ernie's been doing this every weekday at 2 o'clock Eastern. He's had so many different people, every person at, at Turner Sports. He worked his way down the ladder and, and got to me. So <laughs> I'm honored uh, about that. But how many great people, uh, you know, tuned in for every second, hanging on every word of Brian Anderson, who was in the first week, and it was really cool. Um, and so many people from Kristen Ledlow, Matt Weiner, Scott Van Pelt was on the other day. This is really cool. And this is something that, uh, you know, I think as we try and navigate our way through, you keep on hearing the new normal. One of the, you know, silver linings I've been trying to take out of all of this is, you know, finding different things that we've never had the opportunity to do, which is like this. I'd never had the opportunity uh, during the first week of the NBA playoffs, which we should be in here to sit and chat with people for an hour or more, however long we go. Kevin Harlan, I think, set the all-time record yesterday with Ernie's Journalism School going for, um, for about two hours. So I'll go as long as, uh, as, 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 you, as you want me to go here. Um, taking your questions... And, and, you know, um, I want to get you up to speed on, on who I am and what, I, what I'm doing if you're just tuning in and you're kind of bored and you've got nothing else to do. And hopefully this is working. Give me some feedback. Type to me. Um, you know, if, if, if you're not seeing anything, I'll take your questions all throughout the day. Hopefully I can figure out how to take the questions. Um, we'll see how that works. Um, but as I try and figure out technology here, hopefully this is working. Somebody type something so I know that this is good. Um, you know, what I do is I'm a, uh, a, a host and reporter at Turner Sports and within the umbrella of Turner Sports, uh, I work at NBA TV as a host this year. I'm primarily hosting a show called Crunch Time. It's like our version of Red Zone where we bounce around. Um, that was the show that was on the air, um, more than a month ago when we found out the news that the season was going to be coming to a halt and suspended. My other new role this year is on, on TNT as a uh, sideline reporter on Tuesday nights. And, you know, that was uh, one of the, the coolest experiences I've ever had is, is to get the opportunity to work with the likes of Brian Anderson and, and Ian Eagle and, and those crews. Um, it's just been absolutely fantastic. It's weird not having makeup on, you know. I'm used to, used to having all the makeup on. We tried to get the hair going right. Ernie pointed out, by the way, uh, his promo for this about my hair. It's been one of the toughest parts of this quarantine. Thankfully, everybody's healthy and safe in my family, and we're all doing okay down here in Atlanta. But not being able to get a haircut has been—it's been difficult for me. Um, so, if you have questions, please, you know, send them in, and and we thank you for being here. I'll go through my story, and and I'll tell you all that as well. Um, you know, I think. Uh, it's really important for me to give back just like so many people were so important to me. Um, and one of the things I want to start with here is when you, when, when, when you're preparing, right, you got to have the right tools. So for me, anytime I go into anything, whether it's a chat like this that I'm doing with you guys here today, or whether I'm out in on assignment in San Francisco covering a Warriors game or in LA covering a Laker game or um, in the studio in Atlanta doing something, you always got to have a pen. You always got to have a pad of paper, which I always have. You always got to have your phone, right, which is what I'm using to talk to you guys here. And these days, you always want to make sure you have a charger, too, right, because you never know if you're going to die out. Uh, but for today, we have a class, so I want to make sure I have my syllabus, which I got my notes here. I want to also uh, give you some reading material today because um, why not? Shameless plug here for the man who invented, who started this whole class, unscripted. I don't, I shouldn't say this, but I don't read that often. I don't have time to read that often. Most of the things that I read are, are articles or preparing me for the next game or the next show I have. That, that's the stuff I read a lot. I don't get to read books. Um, this book by Ernie is fantastic. And if you've got some time here, um, you know, 
do yourself a favor and, and read that. All right, so uh, I told you who I am and what I do. I'll, I'll go, go through my story. Let me, let me get you, um, what's your secret and technique to reading teleprompter? And do you own more ties or pocket squares? Wow, that, that, that's coming from a guy who, um, who's pretty good on the teleprompter himself, Ben Lyons there. Uh, I, I, own, I own more ties than pocket squares. And if you'd like to donate to the Jared Greenberg Foundation, I'll take that. Um, here's a question. Um, how did I land at Turner Sports? Well, it's, it's a long story. And uh, I'll try not to go into every detail, but if you want to know some of it, basically I was working in New York City uh, or just outside of New York, and I was working at a very unique company. Madison Square Garden started its own tri-state area uh, high school sports channel. And there what I was doing was I was the anchor on the nightly show. We kind of modeled it almost like ESPN Sports Center. And I was working there and um, really cool story. My, my, uh, agent that I was working with at the time had found out that Turner Sports might be looking for somebody, but it was the NBA lockout was happening. So they weren't quite looking for somebody yet to hire because they, they weren't in position to hire anybody because everything was at a standstill with the NBA back in 2011. So what I did was, um, I, 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 don't, I don't know if anybody at Turner Sports actually knows this story. I told Turner, I called some people and said, I have some friends in Atlanta. I didn't know anybody. I'm going to be down there for a couple of days. I hadn't made any plans to go down to Atlanta. Um, can I come down and meet with you guys? And they said, sure. Well, if you're going to be down here, why not? And it's one of those things where I, you know, footed the bill for myself, went down to Atlanta. I sweat a lot, by the way. Um, and, you know, I, I met with them. And then when the lockout got lifted and they started uh, hiring people again, they gave me the opportunity where they flew me down and they did an audition. And I was one of three people that was a finalist for the audition. And it was for this show called The Jump, which was on NBA.com and NBA TV back in the day. And I got it. It was every Tuesday afternoon with Dennis Scott and Brent Barry. And it was one of the cool opportunities. But, you know, for me, and, and this is something that Ernie talks about in his, in his book, um, it, it's the journey you go on and the path you create for yourself. And, and so many of the questions that I get so often are about, um, are about, you know, how you get started and how you take the next step. And, uh, you know, something funny that I was reading that, that Ernie was talking about was, you know, in recalling when he was writing this book about how long ago he got started in this industry. And listen, I don't, I don't try and claim to be an old man or anything, but, but I just realized it hit me a while ago. This is my 22nd year working in media and I'm only 36 years old. When I was 14 years old, um, I caught the break of a lifetime. Um, I, I was in high school and I wasn't a very good student and I was an even worse athlete, but I knew I loved sports and I was in a television production class as a freshman, as, as an elective in high school. It was, it was, um, I was one of the very few underclassmen and one day the teacher in, in the class said, Hey, um, I got this note from the local college down the street. We had this really small college in our town. They're looking for volunteers to come work at the college radio station. He said, there's one caveat. It's only for the seniors in class. They only want them um, to, to be a part of this. And it kind of hit me like, this seems like something that's for me. You know, I didn't know anything about radio other than I listened to it every day and night, fell asleep to Bob Murphy and Gary Cohn calling Met Games and woke up to Imus in the morning every day, listened to Mike and the Mad Dog every day of my life. I thought this could kind of be a connection that worked for me. So I'm 14 years old. I don't have a driver's license. My mother, um, so, so I call the, the guys at the radio station. I don't really tell them I'm a freshman, but I, I, I didn't also tell them I, was, I wasn't a senior. And what happened was they said, come to a meeting and we'll see if you're a right fit for us. So how do I get to a meeting when I'm 14 years old? I don't have a driver's license. Um, my mother drives me to the college. I'm 14 years old, a freshman in high school. She drops me off in the college parking lot, and off I go. And a couple of weeks later, my father is driving me back because they accepted me. They gave me a Sunday morning radio show playing music. And one of the, the coolest things, um, well, one of the strangest things was, I, you know, I was thinking sports. I'm into sports. I'm not that much of a music person. But... 
um, what I started doing was this Sunday morning music show, and I would literally at the radio station, if any of you have ever worked in radio or know much about radio, is that, is that you have to start a radio station. It's not always continuous. It's not just a 24-hour radio station. So um, my father drives me to the radio station on a Sunday morning, and he actually comes inside with me this time. Uh, there's nobody on campus. Didn't see anybody around. It's like, you know, seven in the morning, whatever it was. And I actually have to flip on the transmitter at the radio station. And I start playing music. And this is as vivid of a memory as I have of anything in my life. I turned to my father and I said, I'm never doing anything other than this ever again. I felt so empowered by flipping on that transmitter and playing the the cart machine that we had at the time to say WRPR is now on the air. Um, so I started at that radio station. I was doing music for a couple of months and all of a sudden it hit me like I want to do sports. And there was nobody at this college radio station doing sports, which was amazing to me. So I went to the upperclassman who brought me in to allow me to do this again as a freshman in high school and said, hey, what about doing a sports radio show? So I started once a week doing a three-hour sports radio show. I called it Primetime Sports. And I would start to get, because I was doing a radio show, credentials, press passes to all the local sports teams. And I started meeting the likes of, of Ian Eagle and so many other broadcasters around that I saw this as not only as an opportunity as me as a 14 and 15 and 16-year-old as somebody to cover sports and be in locker rooms and interview professional athletes and coaches and executives, but I right away identified this was a networking opportunity. This was the chance for me to start to build the foundation of my career. And I really parlayed all of that together and helped it springboard into what I knew my next step needed to be, which was finding a college to go to, to help me again take that even next step, which eventually went, turned out to be Hofstra University. Um, you know, all the while I'm doing all these internships, I met a great guy named, named Dave Popkin, who was hiring me as a broadcast associate as a 16-year-old, a junior in high school, um, working for a minor league baseball team, taking the train back and forth to Newark, New Jersey every day after, after high school, uh, working the broadcast with him. And, and then, um, you know, just learning so much about the business and learning what I wanted to do. Um, I'll take some questions here as I continue to weave through a lot of the story. Um, do I like being on the road or in the studio better? That's, that's a question I get all the time. And I don't, I don't know the answer to it because I love both. I genuinely do. And I love um, my job at Turner Sports and, and the family that I'm a part of at Turner Sports because it's such a cool place to work where they don't lock you into something. Um, you know, I, I often feel like kind of like a Swiss Army knife in that um, – if I work five consecutive days, the five jobs I do in those days are totally different from each other. Uh, this season, you know, it's cool. I get on a plane on a, on a Monday. I do a game on a Tuesday. I get on a plane Wednesday, come home to our studio, do a show Wednesday night, do a show Friday, and all the while start getting ready for the next game. So I, I, I got to say, there's nothing like the adrenaline rush of being on the road and being in the arena and doing a game there. That's, I mean... That, that for me is unbelievable. Um, you know, so, so that I would say if I had to pick one or the other, I, I would pick being at games, doing games. But ultimately, um, you know, I really love doing both. Um, best organization, team player, or owner to work with? I'm curious if the person typing this is actually an owner of a team. It could be. Um, <laughs> I, you know, um, without showing any preferential treatment, I'll be, I'll be honest with you guys. I'll be totally transparent. Over the last uh, five, six years, um, one of the coolest things about working in the NBA, now this is my ninth season at Turner, but over the last five years in particular, seeing the rise of the Warriors dynasty, the cool part about it has been the people they are within that organization. Um, you know, when I first started working at Turner, the Warriors were not a very good basketball team. But yet the access they gave you and the ability to um, to get information and, 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 and just be relatable was unbelievable. And that that continued with the Golden State Warriors when they were going to 
you know, five straight NBA finals and, and winning three championships. And, you know, Steph Curry is as cool of a guy as there is in the NBA. And, and then the people, their coaching staff, Steve Kerr, who we used to work with at Turner Sports for a couple of years. And then, you know, everybody from their PR guy, Raymond Ritter, who is, if anybody is watching this who, who works in, in PR or works in, in the NBA knows, he is hands down uh, the best PR person in the league. And I don't think uh, there, there's even a, a race for, for who's behind him. Um, so, so I would say the Warriors have been the best. Uh, what advice would you give young broadcasters trying to, to form bonds? Um, that's tough. I mean, I, I think the first thing you have to do is put yourself out there. You've you got to be willing to go up and shake a hand and introduce yourself and speak with confidence and, and have some security. Um, and, and, then, and then the key part is following up with that. Um, one of the things that, that I find a lot when I speak with a lot of young broadcasters these days, and I, and I do it a lot, is I find that um, people don't follow through or follow up with me. You know, I'll spend time and I'm happy to do it, especially now when we don't have much going on. Uh, watching or listening to demo tapes and, and audition reels and, and, and reviewing clips and doing all that, I'll send my feedback and then I'll never hear back from people. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's something that I tried to do and it's a big reason why I got to, to, to Turner Sports was because I kept up relationships with people. I think it's a, it's a big part of, um, you know, of, of what you do. Uh, how do you recommend moving up from doing games on ESPN plus to doing games on, on real TV? Uh, well, I would say this, don't, don't minimize what you're doing on, on ESPN plus. Uh, Cause I think that is, that is real TV. And, and the coolest part about today is that um, no matter what type of broadcast you're doing or where you're doing it or what level the game is, anybody in the world can see it. If something special happens in that game that you're doing, um, it can go viral in an instant, or even if it doesn't go viral, you have the ability to send that clip to somebody to watch, uh, in an instant. And I think, uh, first and foremost, you know, one of the things that I have had trouble doing, and I think a lot of people have trouble doing, but is very important is, is, um, making sure you value what you have while never being satisfied. Um, you know, for me, I always took jobs that I felt could help me get to the next job that I wanted, but understanding I can't skip steps. If I want that job at Turner Sports, I've got to be great at my job at MSG Varsity. If I want to get that job at MSG Varsity, I had to be the best anchor I could be when I was working at different news stations in New York, like News 12, or doing games for MSG, or doing games on, back then, ESPN Plus, like I was. Um, you know, just really important to understand that in this industry, we all get the itch that we want to do more. We feel like we deserve more. We wonder why that person got more than they got or what, what that person has on you that you don't have or, or why they got it and you didn't get it. But I think you truly have to have the confidence in yourself that if you focus enough internally and, and prepare yourself and do the work that it ultimately will speak for itself. And that itch, that desire, that passion that got you into the business in the first place will continue to drive you toward where you want to go. Um, what is one skill set uh, personally believed you needed to thrive in this industry? Uh, the one skill set, I don't know if it's a skill set, but it's a word I just said, and, it, and I'm glad I, I just kind of triggered my mind. It's, it's passion. Um, you know, I got in this business initially when I was a 14-year-old because I was passionate about sports and I love to talk about it. And I, I have to never forget that. And it's not hard to forget. It's something that I wake up with every day. But then it's also something like, um, 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 it looks, you know, it's, it's something that fuels my fire every day, right? And so if you don't have that fuel, that fire, um, you're never going to be able to scratch that itch that I was just talking about. Uh, miss everybody out there. Uh, what other questions do we have? Current players most suited to enter the broadcasting world? 
Jared Dudley comes to mind. Yeah, I think Jared Dudley would be great. At Jared Dudley's already a broadcaster. I mean, his own Twitter feed are, is great. I think CJ McCollum and, and Damian Lillard are going to be really good. Uh, I think Draymond's going to be the interesting one, right? Like, are we going to eventually get a show with Draymond and Charles? <laughs> that one uh, I, I will love uh, the best. Um, you know, well, hit me with more questions, whatever you have. Uh, if you're getting bored with this, um, tell your friends to hop on board. How do you personally critique your work in order to get better? That's a, that's a great question. Um, because you have to be your harshest critic, right? And you can't, you can't ever get too cocky, but you also can't get too down on yourself. Um, you know, I'll share a, a quick little story with you, uh, something I just did yesterday. Um, and again, I don't get the time that often to do this, but um, I, did it, I did it yesterday. Um, I was on the air the night that it was announced that the, the season was being suspended. Um, I was doing crunch time on NBA TV and my producer hit me in my ear, my IFB, the earpiece we wear. And he said, um, check your email. And for the show crunch time I do, I have multiple screens up cause I'm always trying to watch the latest information on Twitter. I have all these scores coming in, stats coming in. So I'm watching everything. And I don't too often have my email up, but I, I pulled it up as quick as I could. And I read it and my jaw hit the, hit the, hit the floor. Wow. I'm going to have to announce here that the NBA season is, is, um, is being suspended for the time being. Last night I went back and I watched, I watched it and, um, you know, I watched it with uh, a little bit of a cringe <laughs> because it's, it's hard to watch yourself. I, I don't mind watching myself, but in those instances that are big, there are always things that you wish you could have done better or differently. Um, so for me, um, you know, going back and watching as much as what you can is, is, is a really big way to critique yourself. And it's really important. And it's also important too to, to send out your tape, to ask people, um, you know, I, I make sure on certain occasions uh, to try and reach out to people. I respect their opinion and watch certain things and, and ask even, hey, can you give me five minutes on this night? I, I'd love to just see how I handle this. Um, the other part of it, too, is before I do a lot of things, I check in with people, um, get their take on how they would do it, how they would handle it. Um, you know, what's um, you know, what what suggestions they would offer just to get different people's opinions on it. Um, how do you prepare for a game at which you're doing sideline? So it's a great question. Um, my, my, my biggest thing, I, I, my biggest thing since I've been 14 years old, uh, preparing for a three hour radio show at small little Ramapo college in New Jersey, which was a hundred watts radio station. You drove down the street and couldn't hear it, uh, was I would prepare for hours for everything I've ever done. Um, you know, people ask, are you nervous, um, when you go on screen on camera, when you're doing a game or whatever, um, I, I would say I, I get excited a lot. Um, but nerves only come from not being prepared for me or not trusting the people you work with. And for me, uh, we work with the best crew in, in all of sports, all of television at Turner. Um, so more times than not, I have no issue trusting, you know, who I'm working with. Uh, then the other part of it is trusting yourself and trusting you've done the right preparation. And so whether I'm doing a game on the road or whether I'm doing a show here in our Atlanta studios, um, my preparation is the single biggest factor uh, in everything I do. And it's the most important thing. Um, in fact, for games, um, you know, one of the things I say is I, I don't love, you know, I don't mind the travel at all. In fact, I, I think it's cool to see all these new places and, 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 uh, and all that, but when I get on a long plane ride, when I have to go do games in California or Portland, the coolest part about it is you're locked in for four or five hours with all that time to prepare. Uh, and it's kind of like, you know, you're, you're locked in, in, in that, that, uh, that, that, that tube of plane where you have nothing to do and you just lock in and, and you do a lot of your prep. But for me, now that I've had the opportunity and the privilege this year of doing the Tuesday night package, I've kind of known how to, I got into a rhythm with it where, you know, the games are Tuesday. So each Thursday, before Tuesday, I kind of start prepping for that next week. Um, everything from gathering articles to, you know, I have this system in my computer where I'm typing out a chart, you know, with every player's name. I don't go into as much detail with stats uh, and notes as maybe a play-by-play -play announcer would or when I used to do play-by-play -play because I know the difference between 
what the play-by-play announcer is going to be providing during the broadcast versus what my role as a sideline reporter is and the type of stories that I would need information for. Um, So I do all that Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, putting in my chart, putting in my notes. If I come across something on Twitter, if I have a link I want to save to later, putting into my chart. And I'm starting a list of stories that I'm going to want to check back with leading up to Tuesday. Um, And then um, Monday, we arrive in the city. Tuesday morning, we have our our infamous Turner Sports uh, breakfast meetings. Um, where we, we get together and we uh, hit, the, hit the buffet in whatever hotel we're in. And, uh, and we talk about strategy of, you know, what the big stories are that night, what we want to accomplish. And then I, I try and um, I, I hope that one of the two teams or both teams are doing what's called a shoot around, the morning practice. And I get the opportunity to go there, talk with a couple of players, check on the notes I have, ask the PR department about some notes I have, check on some stories, find out the latest injury news, uh, lineup news. If there's any rumors out there of trades or firings or whatever it is, make sure I get that latest information. Um, and, and, and then, you know, uh, try and find a local barbershop somewhere in, in that city. Make sure we can get, a, get, get the fresh shave. I shaved today for the first time in about three weeks. It felt good. I, I felt like I had to do this for you guys today, but I still haven't gotten the haircut. I am in desperate need of a haircut. If you know anybody that'll come to my house. No, I'm kidding. We're not doing that. Um, <laughs> although there is a chance that my wife might give me a haircut live on Twitter at some point here. Um, but I, I don't know if I'll actually um, trust her enough to do that. I, I do love her, but I don't know if I trust anybody to touch my hair except for my barber. Um, so that, that's, that's basically how I prepare for a game. All right. So let me try and uh, get through a lot of all these other questions here. How do you prepare for a game? In your experience, did you learn more by doing or in the classroom? Oh, not even, that, that's not even close. And, and no offense to any teachers or professors or whatever it is out there, but I, without a doubt, practical learning is the most important part of being successful in this industry. You have to do it in order to be good at it. Uh, it's a Steelers mug, by the way. I'm not a Steelers fan. My wife is, sorry. And you got to get the tea, and that's a big part of the preparation each day. When you receive constructive criticism from someone in the industry, how should you respond? Uh, by saying thank you, uh, first and foremost. And then um, I, I would say follow up with that person. If you um, get that constructive criticism and then have a way to put it into play, do it, record it, and send it back to that person and say, hey, am I improving in your eyes? How, how can I get better? Uh, who's my favorite person to work with? I'm trying to see who typed that because I want to see if I should say that person. I saw a lot of my coworkers in here earlier, so I don't want to offend anybody. But, you know, coolest part about Turner Sports, and I hope you guys see this, whether you're watching NBA TV or TNT or, you know, even watching baseball, um, or if you're now, you know, in, in the last couple of years, been able to watch soccer on TNT. Um, you know, the family we have and, and, and the genuine um, respect we all have for one another is, is unlike any place I've ever worked in my life. Um, you know, if you, if you knew me when I worked in New York, I, I was a lot more um, tense and, and that's saying, you know, I still am pretty tense. I was a lot more stressed out. At Turner, you kind of mellow out a little bit because we take our job seriously. We just don't take ourselves seriously. And I think it's so important. Uh, favorite player to interview? Uh, probably these days, Steph Curry. I think he's the coolest dude. What sports broadcaster had the biggest influence in you growing up? Uh, hands down, no question, it was, uh, it was Ian Eagle, uh, who, you know, you're familiar with Ian's work. We now get the opportunity to work with him on Tuesday nights on, on TNT. Um, and this is really like the coolest full circle story I have uh, is that 22 years ago, literally 22 years ago, um, I tapped Ian Eagle on, on the back of his shoulder at a Nets game one day and said, Ian, um, I'm going to do what you do one day. And um, this season, 22 years later, I got the opportunity to now call games with him. Um, and it's one of the biggest, you know, pinch myself moments I've ever had in my life that I've worked so hard since I've been 14 years old to get here. And um, now I get the opportunity to work with Ian and, you know, I think Ian is um, 
right up there as, as one of, if not the best play-by-play announcers, uh, you know, how well-versed he is from doing the NFL on CBS to doing college basketball on CBS and Turner. Um, he's done tennis in the past, and, and I think he's hilarious and, you know, grew up listening to him a little bit on WFAN in New York, and, and he's just been such a great mentor for me and, and so, um, so, so open and willing to give me feedback and, and, and advice and, and just listen to me vent at times when I've been frustrated. So without, a, without question, it's been I am. Um, latest in the season going back, um, I appreciate, I appreciate your, 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 your kindness there. Uh, we have no idea when the season's coming back. And, you know, if you heard Adam Silver talk to Ernie Johnson a couple of weeks ago, you know, he said, you know, nothing before May 1st uh, is going to even be decided. Um, and I, I would say this, um, you know, I think everyone's planning for a million different scenarios and we'll see what type of scenarios uh, can come about. What was the most challenging assignment you've had at TNT or NBA TV? Um, couple. Um, I would say probably this year has been, it's been uh, like an avalanche of of bad news. Um, You know, I was on the air the day Kobe Bryant died. Uh, Wasn't on the air exact, the exact time, but later on that night I was, Um, I was on the air the day after uh, David Stern died. Um, and then I was on the air the moment, uh, the NBA announced that they were, um, suspending their season this, this year. Um, news like that is tough to deliver. You know, I, I was trained in college by, um, a great man named Ed Ingalls, who coincidentally enough, um, also went to the university of Georgia, like, like Ernie Johnson did. I guess the, the Bulldogs know how to produce some great people, great human beings, in addition to great broadcasters. Um, but one of the things that Ed taught me at Hofstra University, he was my, my mentor at Hofstra, was um, great sports broadcasters are versatile and not just versatile within their own genre by being able to do play-by-play or sideline or being able to do a news, uh, a sports update or being able to host a show, but also being versatile in being able to broadcast whatever you see. Because one of Ed's biggest points was as a sports broadcaster, you can't go in producing the story before the game happens. You've, you've got to let the game happen and then react either in real time if you're calling the game, what you see in front of you, or if your job is a post-game report or a news story on the game, whatever it is, to be able to deliver to your audience the story of what you just watched. And that is unlike a lot of other types of reporting because you show up on a, on a murder scene, um, you, 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 you know, as a news reporter, you know, you're reporting on a murder, you know, and you know, the kind of the, the, the staple points that you've got to come up with as the news reporter to deliver that story, who was killed, who the murderer was, do they have him or her captive, uh, you know, in jail, whatever it may be, what, what was the motive, all that stuff. Um, so Ed Ingalls, my mentor in college, um, started having a lot of our sports reporters do a lot of news things for, I think, two main reasons. One, because as sports reporters, we can adapt to changing stories. So he had us cover a lot of political conventions. I, I did in New York City, the um, some uh, May, uh, New York City mayor uh, conventions, uh, you know, Republican or Democrat, I don't remember what it was, uh, conventions, um, cover election night. Um, I was in school when 9-11 happened and they put me on the air to, to cover things that were going on in 9-11. Um, so you not only have the experience of being able to adapt to a story as it's changing in real time, like a game, but you also are learning how to hone your skills at doing that. I think doing a lot of news and a lot of news stories while I was in college helped me become a better sports broadcaster. But getting back to your question about what was so challenging at TNT or NBA TV was that, um, you know, it w- w- basketball and what we do is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be everybody's um, kind of uh, relief or escape from 
reality. You know, you come home, you watch a ball game, you come home, you watch the highlights or whatever it is. Uh, for me, in the span of three months, to have to be on the air talking about two giants of the game and David Stern and Kobe Bryant dying, and then having to deliver the news on what March 11th or um, that the season was being suspended brought way too much seriousness and real life into what we do, and it it, it was tough. It was it was it was really hard. The other thing. Uh, which turned out to be a little more lighthearted, but at the time you didn't know that. Uh, I was on the air over the summer in Las Vegas during the earthquakes that were happening out in Las Vegas. And that was a crazy moment. Uh, on the air and the broadcast table and the court and the lights, everything shaking. Luckily, everybody was okay, but that was unbelievable. Uh, how important is it to have a great working relationship with your production crew? It is huge, huge. And, you know, I think that's something that um, I talked to Brian Anderson a lot about. And hopefully you guys got to watch him a couple of weeks ago on here. Um, you know, one of the one of the cool things that, that I really try and do is get up to our um, control room in our Atlanta studio or our production truck doing a game before or after a game. Um, just showing your face and, and, and talking to the people and also seeing how difficult their job is, because there's so many times when things go wrong in the truck or the control room that you can't control, but maybe you can make their lives easier if you can help them tap dance by talking your way around something. Um, you know, so, so that's, that's, that's something. Uh, you know, and, and, and then the other part of it is um, sports television, uh, television is as much of a team as any other real team that you know about, you know, as much, like a basketball team. Um, if, if, if a couple of parts are off, it can affect everything. Um, and you don't want to tick off your audio guy because he controls your microphone. You don't want to, and, and, and what you're hearing, you know, and, 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 and the graphics people who control uh, the things that are on the screen, you know, they spell your name wrong, you know, who, it, it may ultimately be them who made the mistake, but people are laughing at you, you know? So, you want to have a great working relationship and know that you're all human beings and Hey, I'm going to make mistakes. You know, I hope you can help cover for me and you guys are going to make mistakes. I'm going to hope, help, uh, uh, hope that I can help cover for you. What are you doing in 10 years? Ideal, ideally career wise. Uh, well, hopefully, hopefully I'm still a Turner sports. Uh, that, that's, that's ideal uh, for me. Um, you know, I've never, I've never loved the place as much, as much as I, I love this place. Um, I'm sure I lost you there for a second. Um, you know, I, I want to be a Turner. You know, I, I love it here. Um, you know, I want to continue to to grow with this company, which is growing in so many different ways. Ways. Um, you know, so so hopefully for me, uh, you know, and and for me, in this is my ninth season at Turner. I've sort of I've done so many different things um, over the years um, that I, I I never imagined that I'd get the opportunity to do. I I don't know what it could grow into and, and that kind of excites me, you know, the, the unknown of a little bit kind of excites me. Uh, how were you able to differentiate yourself as you came up through the ranks? Um, it's, it's a really tough question. I, th I think the, the number one thing is um, my preparation. Um, you know, I'll tell you quickly uh, the story of, of my second and final audition to get my job at, at NBA TV at Turner sports. Um, I came, I, I had, I had covered the NBA, um, about four, four or five years before Turner sports offered me the job, but I went a good three, four years without covering a single NBA game. So yeah, I knew the NBA, but like, it's different being a fan casually watching versus having to know everything about the NBA. Um, so when I got the call to do an audition, I had a couple of days notice. I think I, I stayed up for about 48 straight hours. Um, and I made this chart, which I've been looking for around my house. I, I got to find it at some point. I'll, I'll do my best to post it as soon as I find it. I, I still have it from um, December of 2011, where I put everything you need to know about the NBA on this, this manila uh, uh, folder. Every team I had at least two nuggets on. Uh, I had, you know, any possible MVP or championship information you could need. And I studied my ass off 
going into this audition. And for me, when I showed up at that audition and there was a couple of other people who were also there auditioning, um, I really felt so confident in the topics that they, you know, surprised us with to go talk about because I had done my best preparing um, for, for this moment. And one of the things I often tell a lot of people who, who are in college or coming out of college or who are looking for their next job, don't wait for the moment that you're going to be interviewed for that job to prepare. Um, if you today see an ideal fit for you, whether it's realistic that you can get that job at this stage of your career or because of your age or lack of experience, it doesn't matter. Start preparing today for that moment that you may get the call. Because if you wait until you get the call to start preparing, you may not have enough time. And you may have wasted time. And you may regret that. And you may not be as good as you could have been. So if you want to be a sideline reporter in college football, don't wait until CBS or ESPN or Fox calls you for an audition or to see your demo tape. Start doing it immediately. Study, 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 study. You can not only study teams and the history and stats, notes and tidbits, but you can study your own craft, watch TV, watch people on TV that you enjoy watching. I even suggest you watch people you don't enjoy watching for the simple purpose of figuring out and identifying and putting your finger on what it is that they do that you don't like, because you may find after observing and watching others, things that they're doing that you don't like, you do yourself. So I think it's really important to, to not only study the stats and the history and keep current with reading articles and, 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 and all of that, but study your craft, study your peers, watch and consume as much media as you possibly can. What are the skills you had to master doing radio that were different than TV? It's a whole different ballgame. And, and, you know, um, I'm sure a lot of you probably aren't familiar. You know, I, I, I did radio for a very, very, very long time. Um, I started off in radio, like I said, when I was 14 years old. Um, and I was doing up until a couple of months ago, I was doing a daily NBA show on, on Sirius XM. Um, it is a totally different ballgame. Uh, it is so different doing a, a TV show that um, has shorter segments with a larger staff and much more structured and organized. Uh, radio, it's longer segments with less of the staff and support system around you where you've got to come up with your own content. And I think, I think in radio what you learn is there's really easy ways to become lazy if you want to. Um, and that's unfortunate. You know, uh, you can simply just take callers. You can just put guests on all the time. You can do things that, um, you know, give yourself an off day. In TV, people sniff that out all the time. Um, you know, they see, they, 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 they see, um, you know, what it is. But, but ultimately, you know, the, 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 the things that do, the, the convergence is there with TV and radio in that you have to be prepared. You have to know your stuff. You have to bring that passion and energy every day. And I think that's, that's something that's, you know, really important. Did everyone ever try and persuade you not to go into broadcasting when you were a teenager? Uh, that's, a, that's a phenomenal question. Um, and the answer is nobody ever tried to persuade me not to do it. But a lot of people, I don't think, you know, my dreams were big. And I think, uh, understandably so, as a 14, 15, 16-year-old, 17-year-old, even when I got into college and I was doing a little bit more, there were people saying like, well, do you have a plan B? You know, what is, what is all that? Um, I would say this. You, you should have a, a, a plan B in that you're making yourself so well-rounded and versatile as a human being that there could be other things that you do. And I think, you know, people ask me all the time, and I don't think anybody's asked this today, but like, do I have to major in sports broadcasting or do I have to major in journalism? Do I have to major in radio or TV or some sort of communications degree? And the answer is no. Uh, in fact, 
you know, at, at, at my school, the, the, the way the program worked was my, the bulk of, of, of my experience came from an extracurricular activity, which was working at the college radio station, WRHU, which is, I think, hands down the best college radio station in America. And none of that did I ever get credit for or did I get paid for, compensated in any way. And I broadcasted when I was in college more than 200 games at Hofstra. Um, I was taking communication classes as well. And that's how I was, you know, earning my credits and staying in school. But um, I think the most important thing you could do is, is get practical experience. And so um, do other things to make you more well-rounded, whether that's getting an English degree or a political science degree or whatever it is. So, you know, I think a lot of the skills we learn in radio and television can be parlayed into other fields. And I think, you know, just learning how to communicate and how to talk with confidence and how to network and how to build relationships and, 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 and um, you know, how to, how to consume a story, how to write a story, how to be a writer, I think is all important things that even if you don't make it, quote unquote, in TV or radio, you can utilize those skills in, in, in so many other, other fields. What are your what are some of your favorite NBA memories growing up that put you on this track? Um, it's funny. I was actually just thinking about this last night. I appreciate that question. Uh, I, I, I hope a lot of you watched last night the first two episodes of uh, The Last Dance. Uh, ESPN and, and the great people at NBA Entertainment did an unbelievable job with that. I can't wait to watch the next eight episodes. But um, The Last Dance is about the 1997-1998 Chicago Bulls. And I was thinking about that year. Um, and I went back and, and looked at, at some old box scores last night. Um, one of my coolest and most frustrating uh, basketball memories as, as a young kid growing up was the spring of 1998. Um, I was a massive New Jersey Nets fan. And I was one of very few people who, who was in the building for those games. Uh, the Nets were, were half decent back in, in the 97-98 year. Um, and the Nets played the Bulls in the first round of the playoffs. And what was so cool for me was, all right, the Nets finally made the playoffs. They're a better team. They're up and coming. But what was frustrating was that the building was always empty, except for when Shaq and the Orlando Magic would come to town or when um, Michael and the Bulls would come to town primarily. So the Nets were playing the Bulls in the first round of the 98 playoffs. And my seats were uh, not great, uh, would go with my parents. But I remember for, for one of the games in that series, I snuck down and sat in the first row because uh, there was an empty seat. And Hannah Storm was uh, the sideline reporter for the game on NBC. And I, uh, this was, you know, right as I'm starting to get into the broadcasting world and, you know, starting to think about doing it. And I had the opportunity just to say hi to her. And I sat in that seat in the first row, you know, a couple of rows off the court, but the first row were the hockey, uh, uh, hockey walls. And, and, um, and, you know, it only lasted about 10 minutes before, you know, the, the big time VIPs who had that seat ended up coming up and I had to go back upstairs to my crappy seats. But, but that 98 season and watching the last dance last night was, I was reliving a lot of that. Do I see myself doing any other sports? Well, I used to, um, I called minor league baseball for a long time, um, I used to work for the New York Giants. Uh, I, I, I was Bob Papa, the radio voice of the Giants. I was his stat guy for about five seasons. And then after that, I was doing some uh, pre and post game work for them uh, on their website. Um, so, you know, I've, uh, I, 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 I certainly have done other sports. I could see myself doing other sports. I love other sports. Uh, but right now I'm so focused on, on the NBA. Uh, as a host of a show, is it more important to have your voice heard or the directors or producers? Uh, I think it's got to be a balance. I think it absolutely has to be a balance. But understand, too, uh, if it's about content decisions, um, again, a balance. There should be that conversation. But um, you're ultimately the one that has to deliver that. And so if you, uh, you as the host of the show are not comfortable doing it, um, then there are sometimes you have to put your foot down and discuss other ways you can approach it. If you were not comfortable with it, you always have to be comfortable with, with everything you're doing. Uh, outside of Michael or LeBron, which player 
were you most impressed wowed by seeing live? I think, I think, you know, one thing I've always said about Steph Curry is that I've never seen this. And this is not about a player being talented or skilled or who's better or the best or the greatest or, um, I've never seen a player electrify an arena the way Steph Curry has done uh, when he gets hot in certain instances. Uh, it doesn't mean, again, that he's the best player of all time. But, you know, he almost uh, single-handedly has turned what we used to get so excited for with dunks into what we get so excited for three-point shots. So, you know, those, those are just really you know, cool moments that I remember. Uh, a few minutes left here. What do you believe entry-level candidates struggle to get in into the business? Will it change? Why do you believe entry-level candidates struggle? Uh, I, I believe they struggle because it's so competitive. You know, I, I, I think that, you know, this is, this is not an industry um, where, where if you have the wrong intentions, you're going to make it. I think that's important to note too. Um, you know, you don't, you, you, you have to do it for the reasons why you got into it, which hopefully is the passion um, for whatever content you're covering, uh, for the um, ability to be a storyteller, to communicate, to, to report. You know, I think all those things are, are incredibly uh, important. And if you lose that and you're doing it for the money, well, it's not going to work. Uh, you know, my, my first job, I know, uh, I think Matt Weiner talked about this uh, when he was on here a couple of weeks ago. I, I know Ernie has mentioned this in the past as well, um, that my first job, my first full-time job that I got offered was with the Newark Bears, a, a minor league independent baseball team in Newark, New Jersey. And I got offered $23,500 as my starting salary. And I was so proud of myself that I negotiated with the team owner to get $24,000. I got a $500 raise out of him. We negotiated in that meeting. I sat down with him. Um, I, I still had to live with my parents making $24,000 a year. Uh, I was eating a lot of ramen noodles, uh, you know, and, and, and it took, it, it takes a long time to make decent money in this industry. It's really competitive and you can't do it for any sort of celebrity or anything like that. You have to do it because, you love the content you're covering and you want to communicate with an audience and, and be their vehicle to get inside the game and learn the game and hear the stories of the game. And, um, you know, that, that, that's why we do it. And I think if you're not cut out for that, um, if you're not willing to give up and sacrifice holidays and birthdays and parties and vacations, then it's not going to work. Um, you know, I took me a really, really long time to uh, to make friends and family understand this. Um, you know, I, I luckily had a really supportive family and understanding family um, that was totally cool with me missing out on holidays. Um, I didn't go on many vacations in my 20s because uh, I was working when everybody else had off. Uh, if there was a holiday, um, you know, I was I was working. Um, you know, so. I think you have to understand and accept that. And I also think too, uh, in our business, there's no one direct path to uh, get where you want to go. You should ask people what their path was, learn from their journey, but not try and copy it or duplicate it because you have to find your own way. And oftentimes for a lot of people that that journey takes them all around the country, maybe even all around the world uh, from small market to small market, um, you know, I was pretty fortunate in my story where I got to be, uh, a, you know, a New York tri-state area. I grew up there. My dream was to be on TV or radio there. Um, and after college, I got to stay there and did the freelance route where I was, you know, there the whole time. Um, and then got the opportunity to come to Atlanta to work for Turner. A lot of my friends and people who, you know, I know well have had to go you know, bounce around small cities in North Dakota and Wyoming and Montana and Iowa and um, Texas and, and either make their way or not make their way. And it, it tests your fortitude. It tests 
your passion, uh, but um, you know, it it's not an easy business to, to be in. Um, you know, even I, I I think I have the greatest job in the world, and I I don't complain much about it. Uh, and you know, I, but there are things about it that are difficult. You know, I'm on the road a lot, which I enjoy, but uh, I got married a couple of months ago, and I'd, I'd like to see my my new wife more. And I'm sure she'd like to see me more, but she has been so incredibly supportive about the whole thing. And she knew what she was getting into and she's been great about it. So it's something that you have to find that support system around you. Um, is it important to have a mentor type person to help you with your growth and path in the field? Yeah, I, I think it absolutely is. I think, you know, and, and that goes to, um, you know, you don't have to have one mentor. You can have a lot of mentors and you don't have to have necessarily be like an official mentor-mentee relationship, um, although you could, uh, but I think it's important to identify people in roles that you can see yourself in, figure out how they got there, learn their story, learn their struggle, learn their mistakes, learn what they did right, and try and apply those things um, to your own path and journey that you're on. Uh, even uh, if it's the last time you say uh, Am I wearing pants? No, there's, there's no question. No, I'm not wearing pants. Uh, it, it, this is, this is like the first time I've done my hair in like three weeks. So there, there's no, there's no way I'm, I'm wearing pants to this today. I mean, I, 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 am sweating sitting here with a fan on. I, you think I'm going to put pants on and be even hotter? <laughs> um, so the people do need to know that. That is right. Uh, what is your favorite, uh, NBA season pre-COVID? What is my favorite narrative of the NBA season? Um, I, I think what I was most excited about was the playoffs, which is why I'm kind of a little bit in a depression right now, because uh, I was hoping to be sent somewhere covering some first round playoff series right now. Um, but uh, I, I think the playoffs were going to be so unpredictable and we were going to have so many surprises. Um, you know, were we going to get an all LA Western conference finals? Um, could, a team like Dallas or Denver actually surprised somebody in the early rounds, you know, would this Houston small ball lineup work, um, you know, could, could Philadelphia find their own way with all the star power they have and, and the struggles they've had, what would be the balance there? Um, so I, I just think I was so excited for the playoffs and, and that's why, you know, this weekend knowing when I should have, you know, been packing and saying goodbye to my wife and knowing I probably wouldn't see her for two to three weeks at least as I head off on the road. Uh, you know, that's, that, that's what hurts the most, but what I was looking forward to the most. Um, do I still refer to Hofstra as a flying Dutchman? No, I don't. Because when I went to school there, they were, they already changed the things. So I call them the pride. Um, who do you think was going to win the championship? Oh man. So, I, I mean, I was saying for months, I, I, I was thinking the Clippers were going to figure it out. Uh, I was, I was picking the Clippers to win it all. So that, that's who I, I thought was going to win it. And I, I just hope we get the chance to see some sort of playoffs, whether it's um, abbreviated or we get the full thing. I, I, I hope we get it in. Um, or Ernie asked me to do an hour. I'd, I'd love to do more, but I, I don't know if we have more questions. Uh, I appreciate all the people logging on here. Uh, I think there's a lot of people that I owe a lot of money to for, for logging on here. Uh, send me your Venmos and I, uh, I probably won't send you anything, but I'll send you a thank you. Uh, my MVP was Giannis, by the way. That, that's who my MVP was going to be. Um, but in all sincerity, uh, I want to thank Ernie again for doing this. Um, every day he's had somebody different on. Uh, hopefully you check back. Ernie will tweet out the rest of the week who he's got on. It's so cool that he's doing this. I really appreciate from the bottom of my heart that, that he's taken the opportunity to, um, to have me on. It's great to have the opportunity. It's kind of therapeutic here to talk this out. Um, you know, an hour kind of flies by. I haven't really uh, had the opportunity to talk that much, whether it be basketball or about the industry. So, uh, you know, I hope to hear from all of you again. Thank you uh, for those of you who tuned in. Thanks to Ernie. Uh, and then maybe next time I'll have a haircut. The next time I'll be on here so the hair will look even better. Peace out, everybody. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning into this episode of VJ's Game Plan. For more information on today's guest and breaking into the sports media industry, go to our website, www.ejsgameplan.com. Tune in every week to hear from more guests on their experience in the media industry.
EJ's Game Plan is brought to you by Ernie Johnson Jr., the University of Georgia's new media institute and greatest sports.